come stop and take a trip down on my block Where you see hidden potential, young minds sharper than Ginsu And ain't afraid to speak their mind if they got something against you We standing with you, we tackle issues like civic pride Hate will cease to exist, let's put our differences aside From my side to your side, from Dutchtown to Southside From Penrose to Northside, from Benton Park to Old North to West End to West Side We bless when we step out, we stand down, rise up, stand together, wise up this is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. This week, we sit down with Sultan Muhammad to discuss youth and violence at this live edition of Stitchcast Studio. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. Hello, everybody. Under the sound of my voice, I want to thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Stitchcast Studio. I'm your host, Brandon Lewis, and I am accompanied by several members of our Stitchcast. And we have a very special guest today. We're going to talk about um, violence and how it affects the youth, how violent youth is. You know, just about every combination between violence and youth that you can get. And we got Brother Self Love to help us out with that. How you feeling, my guy? I'm feeling beautiful. Fire, fire, fire. So um, real quick, before we even get into the questions, can you uh, just give us a little bit of your journey, how you got to where you are, and why you do what you do? I'm going to try to give you a short version. I jumped off the porch at 11 years old. As of May 18, 2023, this year, I'm celebrating 48 solar, my 48 solar return. Birthday. Uh, so I've been on this earth 48 years. Happy belated birthday to you. But my journey into what I would call the knowledge itself was at the age of 14. And I've been at war with myself at 14 because I had two personalities, if you will. I had the old version and this person that I was striving to become based on the knowledge that I was receiving. Long story short, uh, that tug of war lasted for a few years. So at 17, I found myself in prison. It happened to be a blessing in disguise because it gave me an opportunity to really reflect on that tug of war and all of that stuff that I was, you know, going through. It, it afforded me the opportunity to study and really make up in my mind what I wanted to do when I come home. And so I'm here today. I was released from confinement in 1999, and I've been home since then, Dope. doing what I'm doing right now. Dope, fire, fire. Can you uh, elaborate elaborate a little bit on that uh, tug of war that you had, that you was at? What, what, what was the fight about? What was the fight against? My old self, uh, today things have changed tremendously because uh, now they're beginning to really see that my transformation is for real, for real, as they would say. And so I have more of them calling me soul time, brother self love. They know that what they see right now, what you see right now is me through and through. But it wasn't for a long time because again, I was so caught up in that street world to make a long story short, I started losing a lot of dead homies. I found out that when they started dropping off in retrospect, because I went to Forest Park Community College, when I came home, my major is in psychology. So I started, everything started making sense. 
I was suffering from a form of PTSD and what they call survivor's guilt. So when you know when 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 soldiers are on the battlefield and they lose their comrades, you know, it's a sense of what they call survival's guilt that come with that. Well, I started feeling guilty. I say that because today I understand that I was just a kid myself. I was just a young man myself trying to figure it out. And so that tug of war was between the person that I was striving to be, that my mentors knew I had the potential to be, but I wasn't in full acceptance with, you know, my potential. And so it took prison to help me come into uh, the realization that I had much more to bring to the table than just that old version. And so what I learned how to do was take advantage of that old version of me. And what I mean by that is I learned how to convert my stumbling blocks into stepping stones. So the base of the work that I do with youth is based on my story, my experience. I call it the been there, done that experience. And I make it educational in nature, which is innovative and creative. An ounce of youth violence prevention education is worth more than a pound of intervention. So based on my hard won experience, if you really want to keep you from getting involved into that uh, vicious cycle, you got to start at an early age. The earlier, the better off. Now, last but not least, I just got through uh, celebrating my daughter's graduation from University City High School at the Schaefer's Arena Center. Now, mind you, the reason why this is so monumental, because her and a whole lot of the young people in class of 2023 has been a part of my program at one point or another because we was district-wide in the beginning. So we was dealing with the young people from the elementary grade level to the middle to the high. So you can imagine what it looks like. I got a ton of pictures and all of them are grateful. Not every, some of them slipped through the cracks, but most of them are soaring like eagles right now because of that concept that an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of intervention. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You already know what time it is. Time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts Interlude. That's right, we about to pick the city up. Today, we have a Story Stitch's original song entitled Gunshots. <laughs> Every day is surviving, I'm a walking testimony Don't listen to that silly rapper cause he's just a phony He rap about guns but he don't know that life A contradiction is reality don't coincide I know what's happening, imagine me on day level It's unfathomable, too conscious I can't settle Or wrap my head around it, why people be so evil Carrying dirty guns, concealing them is illegal And even worse, you're turning them on your own kind Killing each other, which brother gon' end up in that pine? Wood box, no socks, six feet, the other gon' get time Jammed up with heat, a baby girl died, I cried Can't bring her back, these bullets ain't got no names God ain't blessing no traps These blasphemous buffoons acting fuel to the flames Bragging on they shooters, all they do is bring us pain When we hang out, gunshots, stay inside Gunshots, non-stop, gunshots, daylight there Gunshots, nighttime, all gunshots Around the clock, the young drop wait, 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 your hands high If you tired of hearing gunshots Hang out, gunshots, stay inside Gunshots, non-stop, 
attention, we can stop losing Somebody every day to senseless acts of violence Be on your merry way, can't fix the problem with silence People, let's talk about it, don't just be a bystander Need to develop a system that can provide answers To this contemporary crisis, ain't speaking ISIS Domestic terrorism, leaving neighborhoods lifeless Right in America, the war is in our backyard Traveled for years and we still ain't made it that far To where we can say that it's okay, people civilized Does anybody care if the future live or dies? And I'd advise to the wise, better listen to the young Before they mess up and do something dumb Cause these guns, these lack of funds, no resources Support this, it's no longer safe On front porches, can't hang out Gunshots, stay inside, gunshots Non-stop, gunshots, daylight there Gunshots, nighttime or gunshots Around the clock, the young drop Wave, wave your hands high If you tired of hearing gunshots Hang out, gunshots, stay inside Gunshots, non-stop, gunshots Daylight there, gunshots Nighttime or gunshots Around the clock, the young drop Wave, wave, wave your hands high If you tired of hearing gunshots Secure your legal weapon, tell others to do the same No carry nothing if it ain't registered in your name Record the make, model, serial number, information So if it come or missing, you can find a location Call 9-11 whenever you hear some gunshots Call the police if you witness a crime on your block If an organization improves life for the youth Donate a volunteer your time, give them a boost Help a struggling parent whose burdens weigh a ton Become a mentor, earn and learn, hire the young, they say I am the one, I guess I'm on a list, clean up my neighborhood, participating ownership, make it a model, gotta look out for each other, if we get to know our neighbors, we can fix it like sisters and brothers, I can't trust ya, then how can we ever begin, to build peace, I keep losing my friends when they hang out, gunshots, stay inside, gunshots, non-stop, gunshots, daylight there, gunshots, nighttime or gunshots, around the clock, the young drop, wave, wave, wave your hands high, I got a question. What is a common quote that you give the kids that you taught when you're doing your mentorship? Well, one of the things that I, I emphasize, and this was the words of Marcus Mosai Garvey, a race without the culture, history, a knowledge of themselves is like a tree without roots. That's after I connect with them on that heart-to-heart level. Because, you know, I mean, unfortunately, that's just where you got to meet them at. You got to meet them on their level. So once, once, we, once I make that connection with them, then the next phase, as you highlighted, is to help them understand that the reason why you in the condition that you in right now is because you lack knowledge yourself. And like a tree without roots, you die. And so I explained to them, we're not physically dead, but mentally we are dead because again, we lack knowledge of ourselves. Knowledge itself covers everything. Not just your history, not just your culture, but your mind, your heart, you understand? Everything, you your diet, everything. But you got to do it in steps and degrees and not leaps and bounds. So again, for the last time, a race without the knowledge of itself is like a tree without roots. How many of y'all, y'all ain't gotta like name no names or nothing, this for the audience and the people up here. How, how many of y'all got somebody that's like, that's kind of like dipping their toe in game culture or that, uh, or that's into it heavy? You ain't gotta say their names, I ain't looking for you to tell on them or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. 
know what I'm saying? I, I just want to know how how many people know somebody like that. That's my family That's in that mood. Word felt 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 same same yeah same. Had half your family too. Not half. Felt I right, my father. <laughs> he said half. You said same. So I thought, oh my god. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah yeah. One of my sides of the family is too. So, uh, and this is for everybody on the floor. When you see them, when you see them, if, if there was something that you could say to them, you know what I'm saying, and you know they're going to listen, you know they're going to heed it, what, what would y'all say to them? Uh, changing from that lifestyle is only difficult at first, in the beginning. And then after you get used to it, it like it becomes like second nature. It's like building a habit. It takes 30 days. I feel like a lot of people depend on that lifestyle, like, oh, I don't know anything else. I can't make money no other way. You know, this is how I live. This, there's other ways. It is hard, but also you can do it. So I guess just choose your hard. Um, again for everybody up here. Um, and you obviously you don't have to talk about nothing that you're not comfortable with talking about. But what was one of your earliest encounters with violence that you can remember? I'm not talking about your mama whooping you either. Uh, no, <laughs> that don't count. That don't count. That don't count. Uh, for me, it was like at 11. Um, it was like a, um, at like a family gathering. Somebody started shooting. Somebody got killed outside in front of my house. Yeah, I was like in my room and saw the saw the body from the window. And I like ever since then, I've been kind of like afraid of like the world and stuff. Like I rarely go outside or anything like this because like um, it's a thing in my mind like. I know it's coming, but I don't want it to happen. Not, not, not right now, at least. Yeah. When you say it, what are you talking about? Death. Like I'm not prepared for it, honestly. So, yeah. I think most people not. Like, ain't it a, ain't it a phobia? Like, 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 what, what's the phobia for fear of death? Yeah, I know what that is. Uh-huh. But yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I think I think my first encounter with violence outside of like a family member, you know, like you, you and your cousins fight, and it's just kind of yeah, working some stuff out. But I think I think my first my first encounter was about how how old is you in second grade? You seven, said seven. So yeah. said seven. I bet. So so yeah, at about seven years old. This dude, that for some reason he reminded me of Debo from Friday, <laughs> and he was a bully or whatever, and um, he would bully me. And one day my sister was with me and she was eating a sucker and he pushed her or whatever and she fell so hard that she dropped her sucker and all of that. And uh then he kinda ran off. And that's when like I kinda said to myself, like, okay, I gotta I gotta make him stop. He not he not just gonna stop, I gotta make him stop. Mm-hmm. So I remember I went I, I was big on like karate movies and stuff like that. <laughs> so I heard like the Rocky music in my head or whatever. I went home and I was looking in the mirror and I was like you gotta do something about it. Like you, you gotta do something. That's the only way something gonna happen, right? So I mentally prepped myself or whatever. And the next morning I woke up excited because I was like, yo. So I start walking to school and I'm looking around and I don't see him. So uh, we in school, we in class and he jump at me or whatever. And he, w- he was just a lot less aggressive. And so he said something and the teacher called when that we was like halfway arguing or whatever. And I just snapped. I was like, no, I'm not waiting no more. He bullied me every day. And uh, so the teacher separated us or whatever. And um, I'm on the way home. And he don't want to fight no more. He don't want to fight no more. And I was so salty about it. Because like, I don't know if y'all like, well, some I know some of y'all are artists. Some of y'all perform. 
some of y'all perform or whatever. So, so like, you ever, like, be prepping for a performance or whatever, and then, like, right before you're about to perform, for whatever reason, it get canceled, and, like, you just got all of this, like, energy in your body, and, like, you don't know what to do with it? That's how I felt about the fight. So, uh, long story short, I didn't get to fight him. He, he wasn't trying to fight no more. But I had all this emotion, and I was salty about it because I was so ready to, and uh, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, which might have been a good thing in retrospect. But in either case, that was probably my first encounter with violence to somebody outside my family, him like shoving and pushing on me and my sister or whatever. And um, I, I, that is a, a little thing, you know what I'm saying? Standing up to your bullies do work sometimes, sometimes. But in that case, it worked. Can you, um, so you kind of walked us through when you jumped off the porch and what your mind was going through while you were uh, doing what you were doing. Um, do you see that in, in people that jump off the porch now? Because you, you're right, nobody's recruiting gang members at 25. You know what I'm saying? Or like like maybe a few, but you know what I'm saying? Like ain't nobody ain't nobody coming to you when you 30. You know what I'm saying? They they getting you when you 13, 14. You know what I'm saying? That real impressionable age. So do you see that same thing in them? Yes, it's it's going on. You know, uh, same game, different players. You know, they just waiting in the wings. But you, you know, you all mentioned death, and I just feel that it's extremely important to highlight that. That's what I mean by making it educational. Because I know the impact of the word death in our community, in some shape, form, or another. But in the hood, as a general rule, we have created a subculture around death. Let a person die. From what I'm hearing, y'all are all too familiar with it. May, may, may not be directly involved, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, they die, we go get t-shirts, we go get tattoos, we do the candlelight vigil, uh, we make sure that the color, the balloons, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then we start naming a whole game after the deceased person, team so-and-so, team so-and-so, right? And the object is to keep their memory, keep their legacy alive. So me just sitting back watching this, Generation after generation, I said, this is what really needs to be highlighted. We talking about a funeral program because, you know, most of us been to one of these funerals and the gist of the funeral sound like this. He had a loving and current smile. He loved all his family and friends. He attended St. Louis public schools. This is the most the parent or the guardian can say about the young person that has died to street violence. Well, I made that education. Again, we talking about being creative. We talking about being innovative. And when I start bringing these ideals to a lot of people, let's just call them a lot of people, they just say, oh my God, no, we can't do nothing like that. But everything you've been trying to do ain't working. I started doing it. And lo and behold, just the word death in and of itself, do what? Get people's undivided attention. And it get their undivided attention. I go over the program with them, and after I go over the program with them, I ask them, I say, now, now what's wrong with that program? And most of them, because they so used to it, they desensitize, you know? We go from being traumatized to desensitized, which is also traumatized, right? But the bottom line is, they don't think nothing is wrong with it until I start highlighting what's wrong with it and you should see their eyes just open up like I never thought about it like that now that's a whole conversation piece then I went from 
uh, 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 doing as an education lesson to a skit. And it's in my handbook, I didn't bring it. My transformation from the game mentality. I didn't want to do it in no book. I just said, no, I need a handbook. Something straight to the point, not over 50 pages that professionals as well as young people can take full advantage of. Then I went from there to actually writing a play that's copyright. Mm. And, and, and what it does is it explains how the death of a loved one, the death of one of our young people just don't impact the homeboys or the immediate family. It impacts the entire community in some shape, form or fashion. But I don't end with a sad story. And, and, and the buy-in is, it comes easy because this is something that we can all relate to. So it's not just a form of entertainment, it's educational in nature. And it helps us get into the solution. So y'all was talking about death, and that was the first thing that popped up in my mind because we have created a whole subculture around death. And we don't think nothing is wrong with it. Hmm. Um, before the next question, did you ever find out what that word was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Research of the day. Uh, Thanatophobia. Huh? Thanatophobia. Thanatophobia. Yeah, an intense fear of death or the dying process. Okay, so I got a semi-tough question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you said that pretty much the key is to get to them while they're young. Yeah. Does that mean that people that are well submerged in gang culture is is there no hope for those people? Absolutely not. I wouldn't be sitting here if that was the case. Uh, so it's a lot of hope for the young, for, for people that's older, that's already involved. Uh, but it takes a lot more to get them to turn it around than it do to keep the young people that's not involved from getting involved. It's way more resources and all that. Because at this point, you know, I'm, I'm 35. You know, I haven't been, not me per se, I haven't been to prison uh, three or four times, right? So you know about the criminal background, uh, baby mama drama, you name it, a whole lot of issues that people like myself have to deal with day to day. You know, that a lot of people can't even imagine because if I went to prison and I did at 17 and I get out at 24, can you, can you imagine the things that I didn't get an opportunity to experience that you're experiencing right now? So a lot of the stuff that I'm experiencing now are shockers to me because I missed all of that. You see, uh, a good case in point is I got a homeboy uh, that's a paralegic due to gang violence. He was my, he is my best friend, you know. And we sitting here going into the mother house because she stayed right on the block. She the last of the Mohegans, right? A lot of these guys got dope habits. They want a cup of water. They want a sandwich. They probably want to spend the night or they got problems with their baby mama. And I'm sitting here looking at my homeboy mama and she's growing resentment toward us. I see it, they don't see it. But intuitively, I knew that the resentment stemmed from the fact that her son never got an opportunity to experience the baby mama drama. That alone. You know, because some mothers look forward to their son to come home talking about, you know, my heart got broke. 
So one day, silence broke out in the living room, and it was just me, her, and him, because he's a paralegic, and I used it as an opportunity to apologize to her. And she accepted my apology, and it was a teary-eyed moment. Well, Mother's Day, guess who swooped up on her? Guess who surprised her with some roses? And she was so appreciative that she called me about 20 minutes after I left and said, send me the pictures you took, et cetera, et cetera, because that's what we supposed to do. But if I went into the history of how I had to, you know, you know, me in that relationship with that woman over a decade, it wasn't no over, you know, she accepted me, she loved me. She even said it when I asked her for forgiveness. She said, I've always loved you. I just didn't uh, like you. I didn't like your ways. Wow. wow, wow, yeah, absolutely. At this point, I want to open the floor. I know a couple people who told me off to the side that they had questions or whatever. Go ahead, it's Mike right here. First of all, I just want to say thank you for the work that you are doing. So much of what you said I resonated with because on Juneteenth of this year, I will celebrate my 50th year. And so I remember what it was like when that movie Colors came out and it's real, even us in the county, we were walking around with our checker shirts and our boots. And that was up until I met an actual, three actual gangsters from Chicago who had flew in and was counting their money at the table at my friend's house. And we were so scared that we stayed in the back of the room until the light, street lights was on, we had to get home. But I just remember being terrified at that time. And so um, I, I understand the amount of violence that is in our community, it's embedded, it's a part of what we have to deal with um, as a form of self-preservation. Um, there's so much that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. But as an educator now, I uh, consistently have to have these discussions with my colleagues about the school to prison pipeline. Yeah. And my take is that we are doing things at the school that contribute to that pipeline. Mm -hmm. And I wanna know um, from you, in terms of when you think about the streets and the violence, do you think that the rules that we have in place are going to somehow help to alleviate what could potentially be someone ending up in prison, the or are those schools, uh, the rules, infuriating the problem? We taught the rules in school, correct? Yeah, we, we have to have a lot of, I think we overdo it. Yeah. Cameras on every angle, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we got clear backpacks. Next Metal year we're getting the, um, what's the thing you gotta go through to get- Metal detectors. Yeah, yeah. Metal detectors. One of the things, one of the things I know uh, because I've been working in schools almost since I've been home in one form or another from St. Louis Public Schools to uh, Riverview Gardens because this is not my first time working at Riverview Gardens. Uh, I, I've also mentor, had a mentor program over a decade even at Riverview Gardens and I'm back at Riverview Gardens and uh, I've spent 12 years in University City and what happens is what I know about school districts are just about St. Louis in general, safety first. Safety first, right? And so a lot of resources is invested in safety, right? But they don't realize that all them resources that they invest in, in safety don't mean nothing if you don't invest in the young people. And one good example is the Mayday Parade. We can start that because I was down there. 
I literally was given a choice by the owner of a restaurant to either come in or stay out with the hooligans. You know what choice I made, don't you? I stayed out. I, did, I didn't protest them. Uh, I told them to go, I, I, everything was paid for because my daughter gradu, grad, graduated with, a dual, with, uh, with our associate's degree because they got the dual credit thing, right? And so I knew that the, everything was squared away. I didn't want to disrespect him, but I'm a grown man. You don't give me no, you know, choice like that. I mean, like, but now that you ask, I'm staying on, I'm staying on this side. I'm glad I did. Because a lot of those young people that was in that crowd were young people that I had mentored at one time or another. That respect go a long way. There was another crowd, for example, not to stir away from, that's supposed to be about empowering people. I don't wanna put them, you know, throw them under the bus. But instead of using that as a platform to, 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 to uh, connect with the young people, all they got to talking about is that they lives were doomed because they was raised by mamas who was no good. This is the type of doctrine, you understand, that they was, you know, and, and the young people was hearing it and they don't even know that they was only adding fuel to the fire, which is what you was talking about. They were only adding fuel to the fire. And what, what really uh, humbled them about me is that I'm walking in the middle of the crowd, looking like I'm looking right now, right? And, and all of them can say is, boy, you doing that, OG? Or, or what's up, OG? Or do you remember me? And, and so we, we so scared of them, we don't know how to, you know, engage them. You know, they look, they crying out for help, for real. But instead of giving them help, we give them condemnation. And so, yes, That's you know, uh, we do add fuel to the fire, you know, because, you know, we not for one reason or another. Some of us are because I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if we didn't have some people who understood the dilemma and was reaching out to people they knew who connect with the young people. But overall, yes, we add more fuel to the fire, but I think it largely attributes to us not truly understanding what's it, you know, the dynamics of it. You know, we, 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 we think it's just a matter of telling them to pull up your pants. You know, you know, that's so disrespectful. Don't nobody want to see your raggedy behind. You know, all that's good. But, but, but see, let me give you another perspective on it from a gangbanging subculture. And I had to learn this. The whole sagging concept is a form of disrespect to society at large. It's a message. I mean, it's intentional. And what it's saying, what it's suggesting is kiss my ASS. That's, that's what it's saying. It's a statement. Why? Because they, they living on that, they, they living uh, out of that FTW mentality. F the world. So again, they feel something is, they know something is wrong. They know they being mistreated. They know they being marginalized. And that's the only way, again, that they can fight back is with violence. They think they can solve every issue they got with their hands. Wow, which, which brings us to an uh, uh, interesting perspective of they're smart enough to know that there's a problem, but not quite experienced enough to know how to fix exactly. that problem. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of touching on something um, I wanted to bring up. Firstly, I wanted to say thank you for like seeing something within yourself and then wanting to fix that within other people because it's easy to just work on yourself, heal, and then just live your life because it's not your problem. So stepping out 
of your comfort and your safety and making it kind of your problem and wanting to help other people i think that's beautiful um secondly uh, i also just want to say thank you for a lot of people can recognize the problem and i even realized kind of a trend on these podcasts is we'll bring up an issue but talk not. about it we'll talk about why we have the issue but not find a resolution say, what's the solution what do we have to start doing in order to fix it or why did it start so we can make sure that doesn't happen again and we are always stuck as like, oh be there help the community what does that mean what does that look like what do i physically need to do and so i just see you actually doing that taking those steps saying the words and then walking and taking the movements um so i just wanted to ask with your uh, schooling in psychology, sociology, um, do you ever use that subliminally or obviously? That's, 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 that's the whole that's the secret whole entire to the pro- sauce. Program. That's the secret okay, to the sauce. Okay, yeah. It's a combination of formal knowledge and informal knowledge. Mm-hmm. I got two questions for you. One, what was your mindset when you got out of prison and what pushed you? And secondly, can you tell me what you hold in your hand? Okay, the mindset after that time was do right regardless of the circumstances. I literally do not know where that answer came from, but I was in the, uh, what do we call it? I forgot the one. I'm doing good. That means I, I, I don't remember, right? I'm yeah. doing good. Yeah. But you know the little room you be in the day room. <laughs> the day room uh, before they call my name to you know get on up out of there. And I'm having my last conversation, my last cup of coffee with one of the guys that I jailed with. And he asked me a question like, what you gonna do when you leave? And I said, I'm gonna do right regardless of the circumstances. Didn't know where it came from. Fast forward to take 2023, here I am. Now this right here is my spirituality. I weave my whole blueprint to helping young people is my life. You can't copyright my life. So when you see young people going to Cahokia Mound, meditating on the Monk Mound, nobody done that before me as a solution to help them recover from that gang or thug mentality. I'm talking about young people from fifth grade, middle school, high school. We talking about Riverview Gardens. This is a recent field trip. I got pictures of it on Monk's Mound, deep breathing. That's, that's what I do, it works for me. So if it works for me, considering my background, why wouldn't it work for them? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was saying you're just a walking testimony, and I really like that. Thank so, you, bro. You know, yeah, nah, nah, nah. We don't really have a lot of mentors like that, you know. Just like what Rachel was saying, we always we we see the problem, you know, we call it out, but ain't nobody trying to do nothing to fix it. So you know. we gonna keep getting the same results. You yeah. know, it's like say you a kid and the stove hot, right? touch the stove and we get condemned from touching the stove but we don't you know people don't mm-hmm. really take the time out to to explain mm-hmm. why you can't touch the stove you punish twice you, you right. know yeah if you you know if you just getting yelled at and condemned exactly you just gonna touch the stove again because man who, who, you yelling at? who you yelling at who you talking to like that you feel me young people learn more from what they see mm. not from what they do and the more i observe it ain't just young people oh, yeah, nah, adults just, in general it creates a cycle people. you know learn more from what people do than what they say going back to this unk man i'm tomorrow i walk in the school do you know the people that ask me about this unk more than anybody is the students and they have 
more knowledge of the meaning of this unk. I'm talking about, and I'm looking at them like, I was sitting next to a young man yesterday. He's something like a son to me. And I saw him grow up and I saw him getting ready to jump off the porch. And he was a totally different person yesterday. And he saw this unk and he said, oh gee, that's a crystal. And I say, yeah. <laughs> and he say, you spiritual? And I say, yeah. Then he say, are you third eye spiritual? And I said, yeah. And so what I told him, I said, check this out. I got about five people that I'm gifting this to free of charge. And I like eating today. <laughs> but it's impossible. I got to give it to them because I know that this may change their entire life around. You know what I mean? Because it represents life. One young person asked me, told me today, he, uh, I think it was today. He said, yeah, man, there's too many people wearing the unks. Da, 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 da. It's too trendy. I say, no, that's really a good sign. That's a sign that a shift is changing. And he looked at me and I looked at him and we said, yeah. You got it. So I'm glad that younger people are beginning to really, you know, ask questions about spirituality as an alternative to the dumb stuff. Mm -hmm. That's to your question. Abari Ghani, young man. <laughs> Peace. I'm so glad to hear of the work that you're doing in the area, especially the breath work for its creator's breath that animates our spirit in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And once we can get in that center and discover who and what we are, we won't be distracted by the confusion. Uh, one of the things I'd like to ask you, there's a whole lot of money floating around in St. Louis right now. What can citizens do, or just everyday folk, what can we do to make sure that resources directed to individuals and people who are really doing stuff rather than those who are showing up to take their photo ops and maintain status quo. Um, it's collaborations like this. I, I hope y'all heard me. <laughs> y'all not getting rid of me is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's it. You know, you know, like minds attract like minds. You know, I believe that this uh, event was destined to happen. Because I heard a lot about Story Stitches, but the name of it coming from Dale more like Story Stitches. I'm just being honest. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, because I, I say this in all humility, I am the first person in the city of St. Louis that created a gang violence prevention education program in the city of St. Louis. It started with Charles Jaco. If anybody seen the Charles Jaco, that was me. In 19, no, 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 2000, and like, uh, what year was that? It was, it was in the 2000s, early 2000s. It was at the Cochran Community Center. I wanted, when I first wrote my book, I wanted to make it an audio book. And Charles Jaco played that video, that interview, at least 20 times. And then it was okay for people to talk about a gang program program but when I got out of prison the only thing youth programs was talking about was teenage pregnancy high school dropout and things of that nature and I say why is it that we don't have a 
of a youth program that specifically target the gang population. And so I created one. Now, it's a boatload of entities in the community. I salute them all. But what I try to share with them, and they know who I am and I know who they are, uh, is that we have to do more than just connect with them on the street level. Okay, we know you OG Bobby Johnson. Once we figure out you OG Bobby Johnson, now you got to help raise our consciousness to a higher level now. If you're not able to help raise our consciousness to a next level, you just OG Bobby Johnson. So the job ain't really being done on the magnitude that it should because of, as my sister so eloquently expressed, the breath work ain't being done. And so I just happen to be a person that's deep off into spirituality. So in my book, he got, he got a copy of it. I got another chapter called Gang Violence Prevention Education Yoga. That was in 2011. At first, oh, he got to be out of his mind. Now, when I walk in that room with my Riverview Garden self-love students, guess one of the first things they want to do before we get started with everything? Brother self-love. We gonna meditate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, this is what they ask me. That's how you know it's some hope there. It's some hope there, but you got to be able to connect with them on a deeper level. They looking for somebody to let all of that pain, show all that pain with. And that same person has to be able to help them recover from the trauma. And just telling them that you OG Bobby Johnson with a private cemetery ain't gonna be enough to help them recover from the trauma. Wow, wow. Uh, before we close up, is there anybody else on the floor that would like to add a question, anything? I wanna thank you so much, man. You, you, didn't, you didn't gave a lot of gems, you didn't shed a lot of light on some things. It was honestly a privilege to have a conversation. Can we give it up for Brother Self Love real quick? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, everybody under the sound of my voice, I want to thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Stitchcast Studio. If you're in between the ages of 16 and 24 and you're wondering how you can join our Stitchcast family, how you can join Story Stitches, how you can participate in our programs, or if you just want to know, you know, where the next place we're going to be performing at, what, what we got next coming up. Uh, we encourage you to go to storystitches.org where you can find absolutely all the information that you can handle. You can also apply at that very same website. I want to thank y'all for listening, and we out. Thank y'all. Story Stitches is supported in part by the Lewis Prize for Music's 2021 Accelerator Award. The mission of the Lewis Prize is to partner with leaders who create positive change by investing in young people through music. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitches programs is provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2023, Trio Foundation, Deaconess Foundation, and the Arts and Education Council. St. Louis Story Stitcher Studio, the center, is supported in part by Cranesburg Arts Foundation as a resident organization. Thank you for listening. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches.